Welcome to All the Things with Monique Dusan from the Center for Biblical Unity and theology mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique. We're here. Hello, and welcome to All the Things. I just realized I forgot my glasses. I can't see y'all. Well, I mean, I couldn't <laughs> see them, no way, but you know, things are a little fuzzy. We got this, the mirror thing going on back here. We do. And we just keep going and going and going. (laughs) Welcome to All The Things, people. It is Saturday and we are a little off if we're honest. Let's just be honest. The show opening that never is smooth. But that's okay because that's us. Yeah, let's redo it. No. Oh. This is the show where we talk about all the things related to God, the Bible, and real life. And I am Monique Dusan. And I'm Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom, and helping us uh, this week on the show and pretty much every day <laughs> is our official button pusher of the 2021 Olympics, Bob Bontrager. All righty. Hello there. With Baby Yoda. Yes. Not an endorsement of Baby Yoda. Okay. Um, we are live, people. What are we doing tonight? We're doing a Ask Us Anything. That's always a wild, wild west adventure show. It really is. It really is. But you have the opportunity to join us in the chat, either on Facebook or on YouTube. And before you type your questions, get in there, like um, the show, subscribe to the show, share the show, and help get the analytics up. Krista's oldest daughter texted us today and said, hey, I've been randomly unsubscribed from the YouTube channel. She's a moderator on this show. I don't know how that works, everybody. But I was also unsubscribed a couple weeks ago. So so go make sure you're still subscribed. Make sure you are subscribed. <laughs> share the show with a friend. Yep. And then put your questions in because we are going to get to some of your questions. Now, see, Jeremy, here's my problem with you. Hello from Chicago. You got questions for us, but you didn't send in your questions ahead of time. There was an opportunity to come be on Zoom so we could meet you and give yes, you a I hard really time. Yes. And, and you know, there's certain people we really like to meet. Like, y'all, why didn't you email us with the questions so you could come on Zoom? Okay, we got a couple people coming on Zoom. Next time, come on now. Send in those questions ahead of time. <laughs> All right, our moderators tonight are Allison Wardrip and Jennifer Bytel. Hello, awesome ladies. Okay, Mr. Jeremy, I tell you what, I'm going to put Allison on the spot here because she's our fearless um, production assistant. Go email us your question at attlivestream at gmail.com. If Allison likes your question, she'll send you our Zoom link. That kind of puts Allison on the spot. I know. Now if she don't like his question, you'll be like, <laughs> why didn't she like my question? That's all right. I'm not saying nothing. I'm saying that. <laughs> all right. Facebook there. Uh, yes. And hello, everyone on Facebook. Hello, hello. hello. All right. Some of us don't like being on Zoom. Hi from Maine. <laughs> well, Alyssa, you don't have to be on Zoom. It's all good. Yes. So we want to invite you to share the show. Uh, like Monique said, um, like it. Hit that thumbs up button. Uh, hit the share button. And that really helps us out to push us out of the algorithms and this show is brought to you by the center for biblical unity yes you're supposed to take it from there that was your cue oh or that family 210 clothing and impact 360 and the last last week when we were on the theology podcast podcast. there it is yeah (laughs) 
Okay. So we got... Ooh, I'm telling you, saltiness is real today. We got know. new, uh, fresh designs. Now, there were a couple of design ideas that came up on the show last week. So we yes. turned those into shirts. Yeah, I said, um, speak truth to error. And what was the thing I said? Um, yes, truth has no color. I've been saying that for a while, though. Is that truth you? Ha- yes, truth has no color and speak truth to error. I've been saying it for months. Are you? Is that your... We do not speak is, truth to power. We speak, speak truth to error. That's truth has no color. Uh, well, there's that. I told you I don't so have my glasses on. <laughs> truth has no color. Do we yes. have the other one? Do we have the other graphic? Oh, I, I only did one. Sorry. You only did one. All right. Well, there's two designs. You can so, find them on our website at centerforbiblicalunity.com backslash merch, merch and get all of the merch that we have there. You can get your one race, one people, one savior shirt, your speak truth to error shirt, truth has no color shirt. We have a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. I think Bob get it in a baby onesie. Baby onesie. <laughs> hey. <coughs> all right. So uh all right, who's ready for an adventure? All right, there it is. There's our fresh designs. I want it in a sweatshirt. You want a hoodie? Yes. You gonna walk around with that? With a hoodie on? Yeah. Every day. All right. I always walk around with hoodies on. <laughs> yes. People in chat want to know if that's Monique posing with the glasses. That's what that I want to know. Not too. Monique posing with the glasses. People. People. Oh gosh. All right. All right, what are we doing? Keep going. So is is anyone on uh Zoom yet? On Zoom, yes. All right, well, let's go to well, the hello, Miss Allison. Lovely and gracious Allison. Truth has no colors. Epic. Sorry, uh, Candy, it is not the Canadian spelling. <laughs> if you buy it, they're going to know you got it in America. I know. <laughs> we should have Canadian edition. All right, so Allison is here, the lovely and gracious Allison. She is our production assistant. She is the seventh wonder of the world who does the show notes every week for us. Um, so what is your question? Okay, can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yep. Okay, sweet. We're in business. Okay. See, she even knows how to tilt the camera down. She's, that, that's good. That's Ooh. next level. Okay, I'm learning. I'm learning. <laughs> it was rough last time. All right. Uh, so first question so I'm a, I, I really love biographies and um, history and things like that. So my question is, if you could go back into history and meet someone from the past, uh, history, you know, historical figure, Bible person, um, celebrity, who would it be and why? Oh, that's such a good question. Mm-hmm. Who, you go first. <laughs> ah. Um. If I could go back in time, I would easily want to meet Peter. Oh. Mm-hmm. Peter. Because? Peter or, um, because? Um, I just, I feel like he was, he was the wild card. Like he was, he was cool to cut off your ear. And I feel like, <laughs> you know, Peter, I feel like we could, we could have some things in common. Yeah. Let's talk about this. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I feel like I would, I'd want to talk to him about, um, just, I don't know, like, that like what what was going through your mind when you decided to cut off his ear yeah. like um yeah like just just i don't know that was that would be my my person is um is peter all I, right there are things i want to know okay 
So mine would probably be, well, from a biblical time would be Mary Magdalene. Mm -hmm. Um, I just can, I don't know. There's things about her story that I really identify with. And I think that, you know, just being a disciple of Jesus and what that was like and traveling with him and going with him all the way to the cross and Mm -hmm. to the grave. And she was there at the resurrection. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just would love to be able to talk to her and um, hear her story. Mm. I think if I was to talk to to a non-biblical figure, I I think it would be really interesting to talk to C.S. Lewis. Mm. I think I would have, you know, just really enjoyed like sitting in a pub with him and Mm. listening to some stories uh, about, you know, what inspired him and, and, Things like that. Bob's laughing over there. I mean, so. I'm laughing. I was uh, reading some comments. Okay. I think if, right. if I had to do a non-Christian person, it would be Prince. Non-Christian? Mm. Like, just. Why Prince, Why that? He is the GOAT. Like, the greatest of all time. Like, he just. I don't know. There's just something about Prince. I didn't know you were Prince. a Prince fan. Yeah, I can be. I can be. Oh. I, I just. I think that um, between him and. I think Michael Jackson had a lot of, a lot of genius. Um, but I think Prince just did things that. Yeah, that just were other level, and um, yeah, I, I would, I would definitely, or Alvin Ailey. Oh my gosh, if I could go back in time and talk to somebody, I would talk to Alvin Ailey for sure. So tell people who he is, because I didn't know who he was before you came. Or to Bob Fosse. Stay with, stay um, with us. They're both dancers, Alvin Ailey and and Bob Fosse are dancers and choreographers, and um, definitely just again like outside of to me of their time frame in in thought and things like that and um performance technique and what they did and i would just sit and i probably wouldn't even say anything i would just be like hi and i would just be in awe <laughs> yeah now or, people might know not know that you were a dancer mm-hmm. before and, and you, i really enjoy dance yeah you really enjoy dancing like one of her, monique's hidden talents is that she could probably teach a ballet class mm-hmm. so yeah nice all right, Allison, what's your second question? Okay, second question. Um, okay, if you could go back to your 20-year-old self, uh, knowing what you know now, what would you say? Oh, gosh. How old am I? 20? <laughs> yes, 20. Oh, my. <laughs> well, you go first. Oh, I was such a mess at 20. Um, okay, well, um, the first thing I'd probably tell myself is, yes, go ahead and marry that nerd that you're sort of dating because he's super cool. And that's going to be like one of the best decisions you ever make in your life. Like, nice. That's going to that's going to work out well for you, because I met Bob when I was 20. Oh, you're talking about me, right? yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what is going on here, but I yes, kind of want to no. like back no. into the bush like Homer Simpson. Like, I'm, no, not, I'm talking about hey, Bob. Just making sure that was when we kind of started Woo. hanging out. All um, right. So I'd probably be the first thing like, yeah. Trust that. That's what the Lord has for you. It's going to be good. Um, probably the second thing I would say is things will get better. Like, trust the Lord. Don't make any super stupid decisions. Obey the Lord and things will get better when you're about 42. <laughs> 44. Yeah, so... I just, uh, yeah, I've, I've had such a hard life and uh, my life got a lot better about six years ago, but prior to six years ago, I had a very, very hard life and um, I went through a lot 
And so I'll probably give myself some encouragement because I remember when I was 20, I, I thought like, is, is anything ever going to get better for me? Is it ever going to be less painful um, every day waking up? So mm. yeah, that's probably what I would, what I would say. All right, your turn. Um, let's see. 20 year old self. Man, um, I would say to my 20-year-old self, don't be so hard on yourself. Oh. Girl, my goodness. Um, yeah, I'd probably say don't be so hard on yourself. Or, um, yeah, I think that would probably be it. Like, yeah, just, or it's okay to, it's okay to do you. I think at, at 20, I was like doing a lot of things with my family and for my family. And I would have been like, you know what? It's okay to do you. Like, it's okay to put you first um, in some ways. Not like to be super selfish, but, you know, that there's, it's okay to have balance. Yeah. And choose your own life path. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. That's what you want to know. <laughs> Random Thanks, ladies. Questions. All right. Thanks for all you do. We appreciate it. Yes. Okay, people, you got to get some questions going here. You're just all ooing and aahing over the... Uh, the shirts, which we love. Yes. But Let you got to give us some questions here. Jonathan, I just saw a comment on Facebook. Um, <coughs> Walton Jonathan said, he do, I do John. So I'm assuming he would want to talk to John. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, Alicia says, Prince's female drummer, Hannah, and her husband are believers. I've always hoped that I think Prince heard the gospel and was mm. saved. Uh, I think Prince was a... He was a Jehovah's Witness. Witness. Yeah, he was mm -hmm. a member of the Watchtower Society. Mm -hmm. So that's, yes, a, that's yes. a good hope. All right. All right. There's no yeah. other questions. People, usually usually they, people are like wanting to know, prying to. Well, what is one of the questions that was sent in in advance? Okay. All right. Let me get there. I got this fancy new email thing and I can't find. Imagine a convo with Peter and Prince at the same time. Ha ha. Right? Ha ha. <laughs> yes. Bob Fosse. Yes, Jeremy. I can I like some Bob Fosse. He was so unique. Oh, here we go. Um, because he he didn't have a lot of the traditional aspects of a dancer. And so he had to make up his own style a lot of time. And it, it yeah, he was just a genius. I love it. Oh, him. these are good great questions, Jeremy. I'll send you okay. our, our Zoom. Um Okay, so another question that came in. This was from Lauren. She had to go to dinner, so she couldn't um, jump on Zoom with us. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. This one's from Monique. Oh, Regina Wagner just came out of nowhere with one. Go ahead, girl. I, I see you. Okay, here we come. All go right, ahead. Uh, we'll get All that. All right, one. this is from Lauren, our friend Lauren up in the Pacific Northwest. Monique, what's your favorite '90s dance move? Oh, and music group. Okay, um, 90s dance move. Um, goodness, maybe the Roger Rabbit, Kid and Roger Rabbit. What is Roger that? Rabbit, the Kid and Play. Um, are you making uh, that up? That's a no. real dance move. Let's see, Roger Rabbit, Kid and Play, Robocop. Um, what Robocop might be the late 80s though. So I'm can, trying to think. Um, can, can you demonstrate right here? No, can we get Bob to no. like, do a cutaway? Stop it. Oh. Um, I'm trying to think like '90s, just specifically the '90s. You had the Roger Rabbit, um, you had the Kid and Play, you had uh, not um. Oh, I can think of it, but I can't. I can't. Um, I can't remember the name of it. 
then TLC did a, a, a dance. Like TLC had their own little thing. Um, all, all the creep. Yeah, creep from TLC. Like the oh my gosh, there was a whole bunch of dances. And then um, my favorite '90s group. I gosh, in the '90s, I really enjoyed SWV. I enjoyed TLC. Um, I don't know any. I of these enjoyed. Things. I, I've like never heard early any of these '90s. People. Belle Biv DeVoe. Belle Biv Riff, DeVoe. What is that? ABC, BBD, the New York Family. Gosh, I have no idea what this um, is. Gosh, yeah, I just I I really enjoy like '90s hip hop music. Um, I thought, yeah, gosh, I wanted to be a fly girl. Um, fly girl. Yes, I wanted to be a fly girl on that? a living color. That was like my biggest aspiration as a child. Like like ten year old me wanted to be like a fly girl. Like, can I be a fly girl? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, in something infinitely more reverent. Uh, Lauren wants to know what my favorite Johnny Cash song is. Oh, in Vogue. Yes. Your favorite Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue. (laughs) No, uh, it's a song called What is Truth. Oh, there you go. Or The Man in Black. Those are my two favorite. Or, yeah, I like that one, too. I'm just an old junk of coal. Old chunk of coal. Yeah, those are my those are my top. You can go on YouTube and. All right. So, all right. What's the question that someone came in with? Um, goodness gracious. Was it on Facebook or YouTube? It was on YouTube yeah, and it's Regina. And she says, what is your five-year plan for your ministry to be the leading voice in all things regarding to um, biblical race, justice, and unity? And yeah, that's now, the plan. That, that's the plan. Like that's, that's literally the plan. We are going to go forward with a, a message of biblical family. What does it mean to be a family? What does it mean to have conversations of race, justice, and unity from a specific strategic biblical perspective? We are not going to entertain shame in the family of God. And so that's what we're going to do. Now, that's the, the overarching, um, I'd say the, the big picture of it, I think, um, in more nuanced ways, it's having, and you can speak into this too, um, it's having a academic council. It looks like growing our board. It is- um, Resource re- development. Resource, which is your yeah. whole lane. Um, more classes and education. We are all about educating people because a lot of seminaries and a lot of universities, Christian universities, aren't educating people truly into a historic Christian worldview. And that's not to put down, you know, Christian education or things like that. That's just the reality of where we're at. Yeah, I think um, education, getting the message out, doing um, the, oh, uh, just trying to be the leader in in, in the conversation and uh, Monique's vision for the UP conference is really exciting. We're going to start. We're going to start revealing that very soon. We've been having a lot of conversations about the UP conference, and you can really you'll see a big shift this year in what that is and what her vision is for the UP yeah. conference. It's going to be very cool. Okay, we got Jeremy. We're going to finally meet the world famous Jeremy Webb. I can't wait. I I'm like from Chicago. Excited. You better have a camera. You better have a you camera. Better have a camera. <laughs> I'm going to have to send him a camera. Quit playing. Quit playing, Jeremy. You got a you got a mic? Jeremy, we can't hear you. All right, we'll come back to Jeremy while he sorts out his tech issues. Connecting his audio right now. Okay, we'll come back to him. All right, someone's asking about my shirt. Oh. 
Okay, and then we have on, a uh, question from Douglas okay, on Facebook. YouTube, Read Journal Love says, I love Krista's shirt. What's your favorite Amy Grant song? You're, All of them. You're, you're pretty you're pretty observant. <laughs> All of yeah. them. So this is from when I was in high school. Bob got me this for my birthday. Um, so, yeah. It's an album cover from like 1986 or something. Um favorite Amy Grant song that would be tough I like I, I like a lot of them although she's a little progressive-ish now but I still do enjoy her music very much uh Krista how has it been for you as you've moved from your job to CFBU it's been very nice it, I, I feel very grateful and very peaceful it's that's the best way to describe it very peaceful and excited about the future so yeah how can yeah. you not be excited? You can just spend every day with me. Won't he do it? Won't he do it? <laughs> Bless him. Yes. Okay. Douglas Roy on Facebook asks, do you have any guilty pleasures, i.e. food, books, movies that you indulge in? You want to go first? Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. Guilty pleasures. I don't know. I enjoy... I enjoy watching mysteries. Uh, I have lived here three years and I've only seen you watch the Waltons. I I enjoy watching the Waltons. Yeah, I I enjoy the Waltons very much. We lost Jeremy. Jeremy. Come back. Uh, Let's see. I enjoy watching like 80s sitcoms. Yeah. Was Seinfeld from the 80s? No, it was late 80s. Yeah, I do like Seinfeld. Like when she says I like Seinfeld... Like, they literally quote, sign, like, she can quote a whole episode. Oh, Kramer. And then they thought, I can't even. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen an entire Seinfeld episode all the way through. And Susanna knows me. The Facts of Life. That's right. That's my favorite 80s show. Oh. It's Facts of Life. There it is. I, I, we have the DVDs of all of that. So, yeah, those are probably, like, some things I really enjoy. I'm a very simple person. I don't, yeah. Y'all don't believe the hype. Now, the, let's see, me and my guilty pleasure, um, butter pecan ice cream or pecan praline. Yes. Either one. Though, the, oh, talk about the guilty pleasure. Pizza. I love pineapple and ham pizza. I know most people are like, is she crazy? But I love pineapple and ham pizza. I just, I love pizza all together. Pizza and ice cream. Um, French fries dipped in ice cream. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. And... Um, I can't believe these are the questions. People want to know. Inquiring <laughs> minds. Uh, let's see. What else? Oh, you know what I could watch over and over again and never tire of it is The Blind Side with, That's her favorite um, movie. with Sandra Bullock. Yeah. I could watch it over and over and over again. All right. Rakita knows what TLC and Belle Biv DeVoe is. I wouldn't doubt that she would. I think everybody should know these people. Yes, yeah, TLC, Belby, and she she knows what the Roger Rabbit is. Yes, the Roger Rabbit. You go back, oh, and you double it up. Mm -hmm. Yesterday we was walking, and Krista was like, "Can you do the Cabbage Patch?" And I was, "Where did this come from? Did you have like a dream from the eighties?" No, I just, I Cabbage Patch was late eighties. I just had something I've heard of. Oh, I don't know what it is. Yeah, Uh, it's a dance. Oh, Candy says yes. Pineapple team. Yes. See, 
Do I love y'all? Yes, they they understand me. People oh, understand. Allison says I'm white, and I know TLC and Bell Biv DeVoe. Yes, I've never heard of these people. Yes. What was your first concert you ever went to? Amy Grant. Really? Yeah. Like for my 16th birthday, my mother wow. took me. Wow. Well, that's fun. Yeah, that was very nice of her to yeah. suffer gladly, <laughs> taking is. me to the Greek theater to the Amy At Grant. The Greek theater. Wow. Yeah. I thought, I, I thought she was doing big things. I went to Freddie Jackson at okay. the Freddie Jackson. Was it at the Wiltern? I think it was at the Wiltern. All right. We'll see. Oh, there he is. No mic yet. Still working on his mic. It's going to come through. Oh. Oh. Now it's muted. Mic is muted. I know he can do it. You can do it, Jeremy. I'm at the Lord. Did you ever have a Jonah moment? You felt God calling you to your purpose or mission, but thought about <laughs> going into a, a in a different Rakita. Why you got to ask this question? Rakita, she coming with the real. All okay, right. so here's is Jeremy. Do we have sound from Jeremy? His mic is muted, so yes. Okay. There. there we go. All right, there we're gonna get your question in just a second, Rakita. There we go. There it is, Jeremy. What's up, Jeremy? Things. There you go. Now they can hear Hello. Now, how's you, it going? You look like you're in the Millennium Falcon. I am. All That's right. why it took so long to get on here. Uh-huh. Man, okay, Jeremy, so, you've been rocking with us from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's been a long time. How, how, how many years have you guys been on? Just one. That's not oh, no, two. Two years that, for, for the show. <laughs> CFBU is only one year. <laughs> two okay. years for us. Yeah. For I, the show. I, I tricked her two years ago into doing this. You got that okay. right. Yeah. That's about right. That's about right. Uh, okay, so I do have questions for you. All right, what's your I, questions? If I can find my questions for you, because I wrote them down. Uh, let's see. Okay, hold on. I'm sorry. I should be ready, right? Okay. We weren't, so it's okay. Okay, all right. So uh, I, I do have first question is, do you think aliens exist? And if so, what do you think are the implications for the Christian worldview? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I... I am okay. So I've, I've spent 22 and a half years working at a science apologetics ministry and have given this considerable thought. I've written some articles on it. Actually, if you go to the reasons.org website, I've done a couple of articles on the, the impact from a theological standpoint. Um, I, I think that aliens are probably an expression of the demonic. Um, I am not persuaded, and I'm not a scientist, and so I could be wrong about this, but based on what I do know, what I have studied, and in talking to professionals who work in astrophysics, um, I'm not persuaded that they are physical craft. I do think that people have alien experiences um, there's we did a show a couple of years ago with Mark Clark and he kind of broke down what the major types of experiences people have with UFOs like you can see them that's like a close encounter of the first kind when you have an abduction experience i think that the 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 collection of data about abduction experiences in my opinion does seem like many of those people get severely traumatized by that. And I, I think that it's probably demonic. Um, 
I think some things that are in close encounters of the first kind of just sightings could be have natural explanations, but I think some of them seem peculiar enough that they don't have a natural explanation and that it's possibly a trans-dimensional thing. Now, are there people coming from planets in faraway galaxies? Are there creatures coming in spacecraft from faraway galaxies? I'm skeptical about that. So that's kind of my position in a nutshell. Um, do I think aliens exist? I sure hope not. I think that would be my answer. I hope not. And what implications would it have on the Christian? It would increase my faith to, to be like Jesus. I mean, Jesus, Jesus be offense, be, be offense, Jesus. Yeah, I, th- um, I think it. Yeah, it, I. It could have a profound um, impact on our culture from if if they are demonic, and and again, that's a speculation. But I think that people could undergo a mass delusion of of deception, which could be interesting and difficult. Um, but I think if there are physical aliens that live on another planet, that's kind of a different question. I don't honestly know what impact that would have theologically. Like one of the big questions is, well, did Jesus die for them too? You know, it depends on, are they, for the little green men? Yeah, this, this is a question that people talk about is, you know, are they sentient beings? Are they with, you know, because the Bible is only concerned to tell us data about what happens on our planet and what God's salvation plan is for our planet. It doesn't give us any information about life on other planets. So that's probably a unsatisfying answer, but that's how oh, I've thought oh, it through at good. this point. Yeah. That was good. Okay, I got one more question. Come okay. on, somebody. So this is more playful. If if you could have only one of Superman's powers, which one would it be, and what would you do with it? Oh, oh, I'm not saved enough for that question. So, so, so what what powers does Superman have? He could fly, fly, super strength, super speed. Uh, uh, I guess super skin. He can't be shot. He can't be blown Ooh. up. Uh, heat vision, super Ooh, hearing. Heat vision. Does he have X-ray vision? X-ray vision, super hearing. Ooh, super that- hearing. Ooh, I like that one. Super speed. Super speed. Super speed, yeah. Oh. Oh, he can read fast, Bob says. Oh, I would definitely pick the read fast so I could get through <laughs> more books. Yeah, I would choose a super strength so when I punch somebody... Uh-oh. They don't return. Yeah, you're not saved enough for this. One. I see. I told you I wasn't saved enough, <laughs> but I. But I'm honest. <laughs> Please help Monique find Jesus. <laughs> All right, well, it's good to meet you, Jeremy. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> All right. Bye bye. Take bye. care. Bye bye. We have people in the waiting room and some good questions on. Okay, All let's right. go to Rakita's question on Facebook. And then we'll go back to Zoom. Rakita's question on Facebook. There's a couple of good questions on Facebook. Um, did you ever have a Jonah moment? You felt God calling you to your purpose or mission, but thought about going in a different direction. You? <laughs> have you ever did that? I think this is a question for you, my friend. I don't think so. It's for you. <laughs> Let's go to Janice's comment. She saw Chuck Gerard. That was her first concert. I interviewed Chuck Gerard a few weeks ago on my podcast. Why are you trying to evade um, Rakita's question? She's having a Jonah moment now. I'm having a Jonah moment right now, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I have. I mean, definitely. I think uh, when the Lord called me into a particular ministry about six years ago, I was I was pretty reluctant and had a lot of a lot of concerns and hesitations. It took me about a year to show up for that assignment. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, when he told me to see, do CFBU, I was I was bluntly like, no, just no, not my lane. I don't want to do it. I'm a kid person. No. So yeah, CFBU, I think is the one I fought the, the hardest. Um, and then, um, there was a time after, like I was in, I was in my, like the church that I began a relationship with Jesus in, um, for gosh, 20 some years or not, maybe not, maybe just about 20. And, um, oh no, maybe not that long. Anyway, it was a long time. And, um, I ended up leaving that church and I was kind of like church homeless for a while. Mm. And the Lord was like, this is the church that you need to go to. And he told me, and I was like, no, I'm not going back to church. I was like, they're crazy. <laughs> and I was like, nope. So yeah, I've that had some, like you. some Jonah moments. All right. Andre on YouTube says, uh, when did you first get involved with reasons to believe? Will you still be involved at RTB now oh, that you're employed you by said it out loud. CFP? Won't he do it? Because I always refer to them as my employer. My employer. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I started there 22 and a half years ago. I started in January of 1999. I went there because my friend Ken Samples was there and he recruited me to come. And we hope to, I'd love to have Ken on the show sometime soon. Um, my favorite theologian, probably most the, uh, influential theologian in my life. Um and um, I don't know if, how much I'll still be involved with Reasons to Believe. I, I definitely will still follow the ministry. I see value in what they're doing. I'm leaving on good terms. I'm not angry at anybody. I, I just am transitioning into a different ministry, a different calling. Uh, it's been an honor of my life to work with such quality, godly people. Um, reasons to Believe has been a really good run. And I've grown up there. I started in my 20s. I'm leaving in my 50s. Um, I've learned a ton. I've grown up there. They have taught me so much about how to be in ministry, how to be healthy in ministry, how to um, engage in, a, in apologetics in a way that is um, firm and full of grace and truth. Uh, I've learned a ton from all the scholars that have worked there. It has really been the honor of my life to work with so many fine people uh, if I'm just really honest, when I had two friends who who passed away two years ago uh, this summer uh, from the ministry and, and coworkers that I was I was laboring with, it was very hard for me, and um, I kind of never recovered fully from that. And going to work became very very hard, and so I'm. I love it there. It's been great, but it's a little bit relieving mm-hmm. to, to, to not have to face that all the time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Rachel wants to know, most important question, Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh, Star Trek Voyager. I don't think I've seen either one all the way through. Like, I've, ne- I, yeah. So I couldn't tell you the difference between Star Trek and Star Wars. Um, Star Trek Voyager is my favorite yeah. Star Trek 
I know some about Star Wars, but I don't understand all of the new shows. And my husband and the girls watch all the new shows. I, I don't understand what's happening there. But I do enjoy Star Trek Voyager from the 90s. I like Captain Janeway. Um, I love watching old episodes of Star Trek Voyager. Um, okay, let's go to Emily Russell. Yes. There's Emily hey. Russell. Hello. Your mic is muted. Okay. Hey. Hello. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking my question. No worries. Where are you? Like, are you in the Northwest, Northeast? I'm in uh, Houston, Texas. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I had a quick question. Um, as I've kind of been reading through the Bible and things like that, um, I was wondering if y'all would shed some light on how um, does the Bible say that the Holy Spirit speaks to us today? Um, because I a lot of Bible teachers lately saying that it's more you read the scripture, exegete, and have good hermeneutics, and then the Holy Spirit will just kind of remind you of Bible verses. Mm -hmm. And then some other teachers have said, no, you sit down and you, you know, are quiet and you listen for the Spirit's voice. Uh -huh. um, and so just wondering, I guess, how to properly figure out how God, I mean, he can choose to speak to us however he sees fit, but um, could you shed some light on what the Bible teaches about that? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> so, well, I used to hold the first position of like, really what you need is like solid hermeneutics. You know, I was pretty much in that lane most of my life. And in, you know, definitely, you know, like if you want to hear from the Lord, read the Bible. That mm -hmm. was, that was always, you know, my position. Um, and I've kind of, modified my position a little bit. Um, I definitely think that's probably like the primary way that God speaks to mm -hmm. us. Good hermeneutics is important to me. It's not an either or it's sort of a both. And mm -hmm. um, about six years ago, um, the Lord led me on a journey of really learning how to hear his voice and how to um, tune into that. And um, you know, it's something we have to be careful about. It's, I think that one of the, the problems that I see in a lot of charismatic churches is that there isn't a lot of conversation about testing the spirits. Mm. And so when I talk to people about hearing from the Holy Spirit, because like it tells us in the book of James chapter one, for example, that if we lack wisdom, we should ask God mm. and that we can trust him to tell us to, to, if we're, you know, we shouldn't be double-minded and he, he, he will, he will help us. He will give us wisdom. Um, I think that the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. If we look in the old Testament over and over, people were said to like, they went and inquired of the Lord. Um, now the God of heaven like lives in us. That's the amazing thing about Pentecost is that we become a walking, talking temple of the Holy Spirit. And that was the crazy thing about the Christian God and the Jewish God is he's the invisible God mm -hmm. and now he lives in us. So I think we ought to have an expectation of hearing from the Lord. And um, just even in the description of on Pentecost that um, we will, the Holy spirit, when he dwells in us, we will have dreams and visions and that that will be, um, a part of our experience. And we see that throughout the book of Acts where, you know, people hear from the Lord. So 
I and that has been the historic position in the early church is that they they would hear and hear promptings from the Holy Spirit. But I think what's important is to also know how to test those things, mm-hmm. and that it, the Holy Spirit's not going to lead us away from from Scripture, and that we should look for confirmation through sound exegesis. And um, so, you know, I think for me, it's a it's a both and. I don't know if you want to jump in here. Yeah, I was actually going to refer to the Old Testament and like that people would go and inquire of the Lord. Um, I think in the New Testament, looking at Acts, so we we do see um, dreams, visions, things that Krista said. But then also, I don't know for whatever reason, like. Um, the the comforter is one of the things that that comes to my mind and i don't i don't when i think about a comforter i don't think of like a quiet comforter you know kind of like let me just sit next to you and kind of be quiet um but i i just i think that we are called to to be in relationship with the lord and a relationship to me is a two-way street but i think that there's scriptural warrant for the two-way street i think that because chris and i had a conversation about this a couple of days ago about testing the spirits that we don't have enough conversation about how do you test the spirits testing the spirits is something that we see in scripture first john first john chapter four in the first three verses talks about testing the spirits and so you know it, it um First Thessalonians five, like twenty one ish, also talks about testing the spirits. So I think that there's scriptural warrant for that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I um I grew up more with a charismatic background, and I've definitely pulled that way back in um in recent years. But I am not so pulled back that I don't think that um being in communication or or in prayer with the Holy Spirit with the Lord and um you know being able to, to hear from the Lord, um, that like, I don't believe that that's, you know, not a thing. I just think that you need to also, you know, test the spirit that, um, it should align with the word, you know, like there are, there are ways in which, um, we can know when something is from God. So in your email version of your question, you'd mentioned specifically like contemplative prayer, like yeah. he didn't mention that here, but I'll just bring that up. That's something I'm not so much a fan of. <laughs> um, and so I am a contemplative prayer. If I'm thinking of it, like in the Richard Rohr kind of stream, mm-hmm. that I think is not helpful and can often lead people to some, some um, unproductive places. And so when I'm talking about hearing from the Lord, what I'm not talking about is the Richard Rohr type of contemplative prayer and that kind of a thing. I'm really like talking more about <clears throat> learning how to attune yourself to God's voice. And J.P. Moreland talks a little bit about this in his book, Kingdom Triangle, um, that I really like J.P. Moreland's approach of having a rigorous life of the mind and also learning how to hear from the Holy Spirit. I think it's a really good balance. And so it, it takes a little bit of um, learning how to listen for that. But I mean, the, the Lord has spoken to both Monique and I through dreams and visions. Mm-hmm. And a, a dream was a pivotal part of how we got connected, was the Lord speaking in a dream. So if it wasn't for God speaking through a dream, we would have never probably ever met. So I think that that is definitely 
something that that still happens today but you just have to be very careful in mm-hmm. how to test the spirit so that's my short answer to that thank you so much thank you yeah. for all of that it's so helpful oh good hey well it's good to meet you nice to meet you you, too. you guys have a good rest of your night thanks you too. Bye-bye. bye bye um let's see Alyssa asks which kind of dance did you do Monique and how many years um ballet um ballet is the hardest 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 but it is the foundation um and then did a lot of jazz um hip-hop lyrical uh yeah and i i didn't have rhythm as a kid like my mother would always be like you're never gonna make me money as a dancer like she my mom was just blunt like she didn't care like she'd be like blah there it is um started dancing probably when I was, I got, well, I'll say I got interested in dance, became interested in dance when I was probably 13 in a way where I was interested in joining teams, like dance teams and things like that. I always wanted to to sing and dance like as a young kid, but 13, I was like, you know, I can actually do this. And then probably in high school, so 10th grade, joined um, the dance team at at my high school. So I was about 15. And then um, danced, like, at the junior college, danced in, like, at Biola a little bit. And, I mean, I just took a – if we wouldn't have had the pandemic, I would have taken a dance class during the pandemic. I took a dance class – Right before the pandemic. When, when you first came and you were struggling, 19, I, yeah. I said, you got to go find something to do. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I went to the. Dance class. All right. We got a surprise guest yeah. here. There's a surprise guest that Monique doesn't know about because she loves surprises. I hate surprises, but you know. We'll so just... let's go to the next surprise guest. Oh, wow. Hi. <laughs> so this is Monique's, one of Monique's sisters. Hi. I see you have like all kind of stuff. Hey. How you doing? I, I can't hear you. Our mic's muted. Your mic's okay. muted. Sorry. Hi. Hi. So tell How people who you are. Who are you? I'm your sister, Shanice. Yes. <laughs> are you holding the baby? I am. I am. Hi. He's a little. He's on what? Two weeks? He is two weeks. Hi. <laughs> yes. Okay. So what's so your what, what, what's going on? What's your question? Oh, I have a little question. Oh goodness, uh, I don't know yeah. what in the, what in the what what is this? I want to know if you will be Joey's godmom. On really like on on to like okay. <laughs> wow, here we are. Yes. Y- y'all, y'all, mm, bless him. <laughs> bless him. Well, yes, I'd be honored, Shanice. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You made her okay. cry. You can say no. It's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I would. You know me. You grew up with me. You know. But oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Like, I'm just shocked. I'm just kind of, like, taking it back. This so is I'm just kind of like, Wow. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't really know what to say. Sorry. But okay. What you're saying is thank you. Thank you. I can't believe like I'm it's really an honor. honored. Like a- I am really honored to to yeah, yeah. 
his life. Cause look at he's so handsome. I can't wait to hold him in a couple weeks. <laughs> How yes, exciting! Look at his long feet. They're like a rabbit. <laughs> yes, I am so excited. I cannot wait to come and snuggle him. Yes, of course. Thank he's you. tiny. You. All right. He is. Well, good to see you, Shanice. Take you care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Wow, that one He time, was so small. He yeah, he's two weeks. He's just a little, just a little, little. Yeah. Well, there, yeah. Pauline, you're coming to Arizona. Mom, we can't talk about these. We can't have our personal <laughs> life just right here in the chat box on Facebook. Mom. Yeah. My goodness gracious. Oh gosh. Okay. Monique's family, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yes, I love them all. Um, all who is right. your favorite Puritan to read? Oh, that's an easy one. I, I don't read the Puritans. <laughs> I don't, I'm not conversant in Puritan theology. Even when I was Reformed Baptist, I didn't really read the Puritans. Okay, I'm not Reformed Baptist. I have never read a Puritan. I'm sorry. I know this probably makes you think that I'm like halfway saved. But please don't judge me because I just don't, I, you know. I used to be progressive, people. Like, let's just be honest. He just threw away the shack two weeks ago. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Y'all, I'm praying she get redipped. There's something going on. He's... Okay. All right. Oh, the Nephilim. Yeah. Well, okay. So the Nephilim are described in Genesis chapter six in the first a uh, few verses there, and uh, the the question is, it, it, it's it it's not a helpful description of them because nafal is really in Hebrew is just the verb to fall, and in em means plural, so it's like fallen ones. If I were to like translate it literally, so it's like well, that's not very helpful. Fallen ones, yay! Like that's not very illuminative. Um, but these are creatures or people that seem to have caused, I I would call it like there's a boundary that's been crossed of inappropriate marrying. Now there's a couple of different theories about who the Nephilim are. One theory is that the descendants of Seth, who was the righteous line intermarried with the descendants of Cain which was the unrighteous line and that those offspring uh, that were produced from that is, is part of um, that Nephilim. The other theory is that they are aliens um, and that's put forward by Chuck Missler and some other people. Um, I'm a little more skeptical of that, position um my old boss uh dr hugh ross uh, that's the position that he holds is that the nephilim are are um demons um i i'm open to that position it's not something that i have a hard and fast position on i think i'm i i fall a little bit more on the side that they're descendants of um the the lines of seth and cain inter intermarrying but um those are the two basic positions. So I have no thoughts, people. I'm sorry. I haven't done enough to speak publicly about it. That's okay. Um, people call in and ask you to be their kids. Godparents. So yeah, there there's that. 
Um, All right. Um, there's Read Journal Love has a question. On, I'm struggling with women's roles in church. I believe the Bible and look at it in, with with context and culture, but I'm bothered with what I hear from those disagreeing with the Bible. I, and it'll be interesting. I'll go first on this one. Oh, um, good. Oh, y'all, y'all, it's a struggle today, boy. I tell you, um, <coughs> I used to be completely egalitarian, which means that women and men are completely equal. Interchangeable. Um, yeah, interchange. Like, I just, I didn't really have a problem with that. But again, like, if you didn't know, I was progressive. Like, I didn't think I was progressive then. Um, I thought I was super conservative. But now I realize, wow, look at how far, you know, out to sea my boat had really won- gone. Drifted. Um, and so, yeah, I used to be completely egalitarian. I think staunch complementarians where women can't teach, shouldn't speak, you know, all of those things. That's a little too much for me too. I think that actually there's a, a middle lane almost that we see in scripture where women do play pivotal roles. Women are deacons or um, deaconesses missionaries. And, and missionaries. Yeah. So, you know, Jesus um, is first seen by women. And so I think women do play a pivotal role in the church and, um, you know, in scripture. And so she says, uh, I don't really even know that there's a question here, but if, if you're asking like, what's our position or what's my position? Cause I can't really speak for Krista. My position is that I'm, I'm not a staunch complementarian where I, I don't think that women should, you know, speak and they just must be quiet and sit. Um, I think that women do have distinct roles and we should and can fulfill those roles as God gives us opportunity. I, I'll bit my tongue. Sorry. I do believe though that, um, men and women have distinct roles that we are not interchangeable. And, um, and that is done, you know, intentionally by God. Someone is trolling you. So we're going to throw them out. Well, I mean, I I didn't even get to see what they trolled. It's not nice. Okay. I just hid them. All right. What are you going to say now? Um, so, There's basically two positions in Protestantism about this question of women. Um, One on one side is the complementarian position. The other side is the egalitarian position. Um, Both positions would affirm the essential equality and dignity of women. Um, Both positions would affirm that men and women are created in the image of God. The, the critical difference after 30 years of journeying on this question and reading literally tens of thousands of pages on this, um, here's, here's where they fall. Um, the, the complementarian position would say that there are fundamentally different roles that men and women have that are part of the created order. Now, what those roles are is a little bit of a discussion. Um, on the egalitarian side, they would say that hierarchies and patriarchy in particular are a result of the fall. And so that pre-fall, the men and women were created to co-rule and reign, which I, I, I hold to that position that they were created to co-rule and reign. Um, and then after the fall, egalitarians would say that, that as a result of sin, men try to control women and women try to control men in different ways and that 
what the gospel does is that it starts to repair that relationship. And there's some aspects of that that I'm persuaded like could be true. Um, on the compliment or yeah, on the complementarian side, the question is, is how are those created roles different? Um, complementarians would, I think that both positions would agree that God gives spiritual gifts to all Christians. And I think that most complementarians would agree that God, the Holy Spirit can give any of the spiritual gifts to either men or women. So a man could have the gift of mercy or helps or, or administration, and a woman could have a gift of evangelism or teaching or whatever. But how that then shows up in the local church body, um, I would say is a matter of offices. I would say that men, historically speaking, have the office of elder or teaching pastor, and that that is something that is exclusive for men. And that is seems to be true from both scripture and in the, the self-understanding of the early church in the first centuries. Bishops were always men. Priests were always men. That's universally true. But in the ancient church, there was also the idea of women deaconesses. And in some ancient faith traditions, they still have women deaconesses. And so there was a thought of that was a way of recognizing women with special leadership ability that was given to them by God. It was a way of the church acknowledging that. Um, but they weren't in the office of elder or teaching pastor. So my position is that all the spiritual gifts, God in his own sovereignty gives those gifts to the people that he wants to have them. Whether or not there's an office involved of elder or teaching pastor, I would say that that is for men. Um, mm -hmm. But that women can still have a place and, and be acknowledged and should be acknowledged by their local churches in the gifts that God has given them and that there should be opportunities for them to explore how to express them. So that's my best ex short explanation of where I am in my own journey on this issue. One time I was an egalitarian, which they tend to see men and women as just interchangeable. You know, mm -hmm. I don't hold to that position anymore. Yeah. So. I think, um, you know, I think you brought up a good point. Like I don't see, um, a space in in the, either the ancient church, ancient faith, um, or ancient church, or in the scriptures for women pastors. And I used to believe in women pastors like huge, like it was such a big thing um, because men and women could do the same things. And I don't think I'm there anymore. Um, I think that there's definitely a lane, like you're saying, like there are offices that people can and should like occupy and you know, those lanes may be, you know, and I mean, correct me if this is not what you're saying, but those lanes may be identified by, um, by sex, but the gifts are not given according to sex. Yeah. Oh, good. Edwin's listening. <laughs> He's the pastor. He could correct me. He says, that was a great answer. Okay, good. Yeah. I just, I, I've stopped using the word pastor because to me, it introduces a level of confusion in the mm. conversation because the biblical term is elder mm, mm -hmm. and it's an office. Mm -hmm. the, the biblical offices are elders and deacons and deaconesses. Mm -hmm. Those are the three offices. 
And so when I, I've kind of stopped using the word pastor because it's so confusing in the American context because we have children's pastors and women's yes. pastors and it's, yes. we have all these invented and made up offices, if you will. And so it's like, I was, I like to browse church websites. I've even seen like the tech pastor. I'm like, are you shepherding the microphones? I don't know what you're doing, mm-hmm. but it, I think that the, the introduction of the nomenclature of pastor in the American church is highly confusing. So I've kind of reverted to going to the biblical terms of elder, you know, and, and deacon and deaconess. And, um, you know, there is the the concept of being the pastor shepherd and I get that, but it's just so confusing. And mm-hmm. so I've, I've kind of differentiated between offices and spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. So you could be a woman that has a gift of teaching that the Holy spirit in his own sovereignty gives you that gift, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be ordained into the office of elder. Mm -hmm. But I think that a large part of the problem is that we get so much energy going over the offices, you know, and preserving the offices, which I want to preserve them. Like, again, I don't believe men and women are interchangeable, but I wish there was more energy around, well, what space could we make for women in the mm-hmm. local church? Yeah. How could our elder board recognize the leadership gifts and talents of certain women in the church who are able to teach? How could we provide them with some opportunities mm-hmm. under pastoral authority? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's helpful. All right. Uh, let's see. All right, let's go over to Facebook. There were some questions over there. Um, let's see, let's see. All right, Shannon wants to know if you'll go see The Shack and do a review. You know, I'm not too sure. You've um, already seen that movie, haven't I've you? I've seen it a couple of times. I've read the book. And yeah, I I think for me, I need to know more um, theologically in in like in understanding all that's um that's going on in the shack to be able to write something that is fair and decent and true so yeah i um yeah i i just had elisa and krista last year explain to me like well what wait what's wrong with my favorite book why why are you guys talking about it so poorly so (laughs) yeah maybe that would be something to to think about in the future but not like, yeah. you know, next week. All right. Vanessa wants to know, what do you think of spiritual gifts as a former, I think she means reformed mm-hmm. Christian. Um, I just think the Holy Spirit gives gifts. Uh, he gives them to whomever he wills. Uh, yeah, I just, I've, that's a very simple answer. Um, let's see. I'm not sure what to make of this, this comment. That's a tough one. You must have a great husband. I don't know what that means, Kelly. Maybe she's not talking to you. I don't know. I don't know. But she does have a great husband. I do have a great husband. I, I mean, you know, I think I think Bob's okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <coughs> I don't have one of my own, so I, I don't have much to judge on. But as husbands go, you know, I've met a few. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. I think the church models the family. Yeah, that's certainly one of the word pictures that the Father has given us um, for the church. He's also given us the temple, uh, living stones, 
Um, you know, there's a number of motifs that the Father has given us uh, to describe our relationship with one another. But adoption, family, those are all different word pictures the Lord has given us. Um, uh, let's see, anything else? On um, Janice, I don't think egalitarians would say that men and women are interchangeable. I would disagree with you. I was an egalitarian for quite a long time, and I've seen a lot of literature to that effect. Um, there are some indications women were elders in the first century. I disagree with that. I have not seen compelling el- evidence to that effect that they were ordained elders, but I would welcome that. Um, let's see. Do you think biblical or Philip has a question here? Do you think the biblical language can be imposed on church hierarchies and how they develop in different cultures and times? Um, I think that, the biblical framework is putting forward God's plan for his church that is intended to be transcultural. And Mm -hmm. so the framework itself, I would see as transcultural. So what I mean by the framework is the idea of, of the church, local churches being um, governed by elders and, and deacons and that sort of a thing. Um, and I think that that is his plan for all cultures in, in all times and all places. That has been the universal teaching of the church from the beginning. If you go to North Africa, you go to early Christianity in the Middle East, you go to early Christianity in the um, Mediterranean area, they all had the same structure. And that was the universal understanding of the church in the first 300 years. So I would see that as being fairly fixed. I would say that um, I do believe that scripture and um, the the ten- tenets and principles are meant to be transcultural. That was going to be the word that I used too. So you gave my answer. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, um, okay, wait, there's a question on YouTube okay. from Jeremy. He says, what do you two think of all the YouTube videos of parents confronting school boards over the teaching of CRT to children. Um, I'll go first since she didn't say much. I'm, um, I'm looking for the question. I'm right sorry. there. I'm right sorry. there. Oh, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I say God bless them. Yeah, they're, they're trying. Use your voice. Use your voice. You're voting your dollar. I I think, you know, it's it's a tough issue. I think they're villainizing. Um, there's a lot of villainizing right now of any sort of pushback on CRT mm-hmm. to make it seem like, well, you're a racist or you're just afraid to have the conversation or you don't care about historical accuracy. There's all kind of accusations about it, but I think that parents should push back. I think they should. I think it's, it's the way that it is now critical race theory and the critical social theories in general are now being modeled out into culture um, at, at a certain point, you know, like if you're in, you know, university and things like that, and you're learning about critical race theory, I would say that it shouldn't, it should still not be taught as the end all be all the capital T truth. Like, how do you put forth an idea and then, you know, also put forth other ideas? The problem is that there's no other ideas being put forth, you know, with it to, to say, look, here are 
a, a spectrum of ideas. It is that critical race theory is the idea. It's the only idea. And so I, I was a part of a group and they were like, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't advocate for shutting down thought. And I'm like, I can agree with that. I can agree that we can have, um, you know, different thoughts or, 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 you know, shuffle through different thoughts, but especially in Christian institutions, how do I put forth a different thought, but then compare that against truth and say, this is truth. And this is what we've always believed. Now, I think that that is an endeavor for an older person. When you're looking at children in their formative years, I don't want to, um, to slam them with indoctrin, I call it indoctrination. I don't want to slam them with with things that are just like you are this, or um, there's and there's no other way to potentially even think about a thing. Oh no, what are your thoughts? Oh, I have many thoughts. Um, I don't think that uh, banning critical race theory from schools will be successful. Yeah, uh, and so that's my very pessimistic view of it. It's too embedded. I mean. What what parents don't realize is that they are waking up to a reality of something that's been there for about 10 years already. And it's if all not more. Yeah, it, it's more. already embedded in the policies and the procedures. It's just that it's our, it's now more out in the open. So it is this this is the framework that teachers have been taught. Like if if your kid has a teacher that has graduated from teacher school in the last 10 years or so. This is how they were taught. They were taught under the principles of educational equity, grading for equity, um, you know, undergoing and trainings, multiple trainings on diversity, equity and inclusion. So this is already part of the way that they have been catechized or discipled or or whatever you want to call it. Like this is this is how they think by and large. And so if the teacher is already in that space, now they just have permission to be more public about it. That's all I've seen in, is the shift in the last year or two is it, that people are just being more more public about it, more open about it. So I don't actually think that these, by and large, these efforts to get critical race theory to bar it from public schools, I don't think they'll be successful. I, I commend any parent who will go to a school board meeting and try to, you know, speak out about it. I'm not discouraging that. I just want people to also be realistic about how embedded it is. And that just because there's rules, it can fly under other names. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's going to be very, very difficult because this is the, the value system of our culture. This is the value system that our culture has adopted. So, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think they'll be very successful, but that's my very pessimistic um, view of that. Um, Let's see. Uh, well, we gotta, we gotta take a little break here. Oh, yeah, I, I, rest- I didn't realize it was seventeen. Yeah, I gotta rest my voice for a minute. So we're gonna hear from our friends at Impact Three Hundred and Sixty, and then we'll come back and take more of your questions. We'll. Be right back. Change, change isn't, isn't going, going to come. to come just because you want it to. Change comes because you are intentionally taking steps to making that change. I aspire to be someone who continues to build bridges with other cultures and who cultivates a community that's healthy and honoring to the Lord and life-giving. 
Now, after the program, I feel like I know what my purpose is and I know what I want to do going out into the world. And how to not have this time to step back and just kind of be patient and be still and just listen. I don't think I would have had that same clarity. In this world, it's kind of like in a scream contest. Who can scream the loudest? And who's going to listen to that person yelling the loudest? And that person should be God. But he's not yelling. He's calling us. My hope going forward to interact with culture is to tell people like, hey, like, be still. Listen to this guy is calling you. He's calling you home. All right. We are going to do just a couple more questions, maybe two more. One question came in. How did we meet? I think that was the yeah. lovely Miss Jennifer Bytel who Can asked Can you retell the story of how you met? Yes, it was. Um, for those of us who don't know. We get that question a lot. Yes, we actually have a video about it on YouTube. We first met because I was speaking up in Northern California. I was um, talking about living abroad in South Africa and raising money and all that as a missionary. You were... And- you were- here on furlough or uh-huh. something. Yeah. yeah, I was here for like the Christmas Thanksgiving break. And gosh, a mutual friend of ours was watching online and posted it on Facebook. And you can take it from there. <laughs> I don't know what. what okay, well, here, we're yeah, cause, well, here we go. So Krista then messages me. Or she doesn't even message me. She puts it like on the stream that is, you know, like the live stream on Facebook and was like, I think I just had a dream with you last night or a couple of nights ago or something like that. I saw you in a dream or something. Yeah. And I was like, that don't sound right. We might need to blockity block block you. (laughs) And, but I also dream the Lord um, has, has spoke to me in dreams before. And so I was like, wh- I was a little intrigued, but a little blockity blockish. And I responded to you and was like, let's, well, let's talk. maybe we need to have a conversation or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, um, and then you were like, well, I'm going out of town for two weeks. And I was done. I was like, so done with her right then. I was like, <laughs> what? Like, what if the Lord told her like I was in error or something like that? Like only had days to live. No. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it took us a few weeks before we were able to talk on the phone. Yeah. And so I had, I mean, you, she was going out of town and then you got back in town and you were sick. I was and then sick, it was yeah. like, she had to keep postponing it. And I was, I was done. Y'all. She was a little frustrated with me. Yes. Well, so I think it was an early um, November of 2017. I had had a, a, a dream and the Lord occasionally speaks to me through dreams but this one was much more elaborate. And um, this was November of 2018, right? 2017. 2017. Okay, yeah. 2017. So it was just a very elaborate dream. And I won't go into all the details of it, but there were kind of five things that were in the dream that were very, very specific. That I had met this American black woman living in South Africa near the ocean. And her name was Mo. And that she helped traumatized children. And so these, these are very specific things. And I, I saw her, her, um, her face in the, in the dream and her big smile. And I, that was the thing that really impressed me was just her, her big smile and just how happy she was and everything. And so that when I saw her on the, the video that a mutual friend of ours because uh, we weren't aware of each other, even though we did have this mutual friend. 
and we have actually a number of mutual friends, but we weren't aware of each other. And then I was like, oh my gosh, that's the woman from my dream. And so then in a moment of impulsivity, I just typed the message of like, hey, I think I had a dream about you a couple nights ago. And then she was like, yeah, we got to talk. So, uh, and I mean, for those of you who are like, yeah, right. Like I actually came from Africa, from South Africa to her house and I read the dream. And I mean, even before I met her in like physically met her and we were like communicating on Zoom or Facebook or whatever, um, she, when we first talked and she told me about the dream, she was able to mention things about the place that I worked, about the road that I took every day, like things that people would not know unless they had literally been there. And none of our mutual friends, well, aside from, I'd say one mutual friend who was the leader of the organization I was with, um, had ever been there. And so... And you did live was, near I, the ocean. Oh, and... yeah, I love the ocean. So I lived probably five minutes from the beach. Yeah. And I would drive to work along the ocean every day for miles and miles and miles. And I kind of described to her, like, details that I saw. Mm-hmm. And she was and she would send me pictures. And it was like, it was exactly, you know, what I saw. And I had written it out in the middle of the night on my phone. Unfortunately, that phone took a dive in the toilet a couple years ago. So I don't have that note anymore. But it was... I had all the the details and I had showed it to her once. And I said, yeah, this is all the details from my dream. Like I worked um, in the dream. I was working like in a war zone, but in reality, I worked in the Cape flats. And if you're not familiar with the Cape flats, the Cape flats, many places on the Cape flats are war zones and, you know, occupied by child soldiers and things like that. And um, many, gosh, when, when we met in 2017, there were hundreds of people being killed on the Cape yeah. Flats. And so it was definitely a war zone. I remember kids coming to school with guns and selling guns on, you know, yeah. the campus where I worked. And so. And I didn't know yeah. any of that, you know. So anyway, yeah. so that's, that's the, that's that's the, that's the that's short version of how we met. So the Lord put us together. In a dream. That was really crazy. And we don't normally tell people that. We're just like, hey, you know what? We had some <laughs> mutual friends on Facebook and there it was. That's how we. Got connected, but that's that's the real. That's you know family. That's, that's the real story. Share it with you. All right, all right. What are we gonna do here? I think we're gonna transfer over to our. I don't know. We, have, we can have another question and then we can wrap it up. It's kind of getting late. I know. All right. Um, let's see. One more from YouTube. Okay. Let's see. Is there one more that I can find from YouTube? If not, uh, oh, here we go. Any recommendations for a new homeschooling, maybe mom, of a seventh and ninth grader? Mm, Kimberly, you are about to go on a wonderful new adventure. Krista absolutely loves this. Um, Neil Shenvey has a great article um, for people that are starting in homeschooling. So you could go check that out on his website. Um, my best advice is get a community, try to get some like-minded friends who are also homeschooling so that you can get connected. Um, don't stress yourself out by trying to be perfect. Whatever, trust me, whatever you are doing is going to be just as good as, or better than what they would get in public school. So don't stress yourself out with thinking you have to do everything every day. Um, break it up. Um, 
do something different. What we used to do is a lot of times on Fridays was, you know, if we'd had a good week and we had a lot of work in the can, you know, like get out of the house, go to the library, go on a field trip. Um, We would get my mom to come with us on a field trip. We did a lot of field trips with grandma and that was a great relationship building thing for, for my kids with, with my mom. Um, You know, just try to try to break it up and, and do some fun things, get out of the house. Um, You know, I think like enjoy the great thing about middle school is there's not a lot of state standards yet for what they have to have for college. So you can kind of do whatever you want, which is super cool. So what I did with our daughter when she was in middle school is I let her set the agenda for what to learn. So it's like, okay, we got to learn history. What do you want to learn about history? And she picked the civil war. So we spent an entire year on the civil war. Um, So rather than just only talking about civil war for three weeks, which was the normal thing in U.S. history textbooks. We did an entire deep dive whole year on Civil War. Um, I asked her, all right, we got to do science. What do you want to do on science? What's interesting to you? She picked astronomy. And that was great. So we did a deep dive into astronomy. The next year, she picked earth science. So we did a whole year on earth science. Normally, a lot of kids only get six weeks on earth science. So we did an entire year on that. So I would say at that age, let your kids have buy-in let them set the agenda to some degree. Like you have some parameters of like, we have to do a science, we have to do, um, you know, certain things, but let them steer the curriculum to some degree, you know, like, Hey, we're going to do Bible. What book of the Bible do you want to study? And let them have some buy-in to it because it'll go a lot easier. My other advice is if something's not working, it's okay to press the eject button. (laughs) Like sometimes you buy curriculum, it doesn't work well for you. It worked well for a hundred other people, but it doesn't work well for you. Okay, cool. Just put it to the side, try something different, go to the library, get some books. Um, So those are some of my tips. Yes. And um, I want to encourage everyone to go sign up for the Discipleship Begins at Home conference for any parents that are on the stream tonight, go check out this very important and unique conference um, that we're doing with our friend Jeremy Bannister and our friends from Women in Apologetics. This is going to include a very practical blueprint for discipleship to really help people get kickstarted on their discipleship efforts. Because if we are going to train our kids and, and catechize our kids uh, to go against culture, to be countercultural, we're going to have to have a plan. Mm-hmm. And this is a very concrete plan. And so we're going to walk people through a lot of very important topics related to discipleship. I'm going to talk about discipling your kids related to work and money. Uh, Monique's going to do a talk about discipling identity. your ki- kids related to identity, their identity in Christ, their ethnic identity, their identity as image bearers. So talking about those things and it, it, every person who registers gets Jeremy's blueprint for step-by-step um, discipleship plan that he's developed over the years with his church. And then there'll also be an opportunity to get six weeks of coaching after the conference. So as you're implementing the plan, you can, we, Jeremy and I will be in the process with you. You can jump on a zoom call with us and, um, talk things through a bit more. So 
go check out the Discipleship Begins at Home conference over at Women in Apologetics. Awesome. All right. I think that's it for today. Okay. Yes. Got to most of the questions. Yes. 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 If we did not get to your question, I am so sorry. Yeah. Let's do, let's get, we have a little Mo's moment. We haven't done a Mo's moment in a very long time. No, we do not have glory dust, but we do have a good shout. Um, okay, so Mo's moment this week is a tweet from a woman, Ariana, and um, her handle on Twitter is the Ari Bella. We don't know who she is. I don't know who she is. I've gone through um, some of her tweets, and I was like, you know, I really appreciate you. She is replying to the one and only Daryl Harrison from the Just Thinking podcast, and her response to something that he said earlier, um, which I also thought was very well stated, she says, truly very little sacrifice for the gospel is required of Western Christians, but mere social discomfort and relational tension have many embracing cultural conformity. The stuff of martyrs, we are not. And I thought that this was such a good tweet and it was so good because this is what I feel like the Lord is um, impressing upon my heart lately is that what are we willing to sacrifice and what are we willing to, to let go of? Um, what risk are we willing to be in as Christians? I believe that there, the time is now and, and, and greater yet still coming where we might have to say no to some things. And I know we've talked about this on the show before. We talked about it in relation to um, Amazon canceling a couple of books We've talked about it in relation to um, Disney and their stance with, you know, Corano and the Mandalorian and, you know, all of these things. And yet where I find myself and, and I don't know, like this, this might not be for you. I just might be airing my own business, but uh, a place where I'm like, Lord, like there are a lot of a lot of things that make me comfortable that I really like. And what would it be like to actually let go of those things? What I what I am thinking, and I mean, I I don't know that I'm completely married to this idea, but or what I, I guess I'm seeing is that a lot of Christians in the West, I don't know that we are ready for true persecution. Like if I can't let go of my Amazon Prime, and if I can't let go of my Disney Channel, you know, because of, and you can help me out on this because we just had this conversation yeah. yesterday. But like on on principles. Or, um, you know, like Disney wanting to cancel someone because they're a Christian or Amazon not not letting someone go through because they're a Christian. If I'm a Christian, how do I stand with other Christians and stand for the tenets of scripture? If I can't do that, like with, with just my prime delivery, because I like to get things in 48 hours, you know, how do I, how do I prepare myself or kids to be able to stand when they're being told that they need to take a knee in their school, yeah, you know, like I feel like we're we we definitely are in a moment in our culture where comfortability and just comfort overall ranks as high as our Christianity, and so now it's kind of like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I think what you're struggling with is the the issue of kind of the observation that 
as Americans, we are very into being comfortable. We really like our comforts. We love convenience. We've built a whole lifestyle and culture around convenience. Um, Amazon Prime is the example that you're using, but it's, it, it's part of our overall mindset. I think the question you're wrestling with is what are Christians willing to give up? What level of discomfort are they willing to endure for the sake of the gospel? So like how this could potentially play out and how it's played out in, in some persecuted com- countries is, you know, are you willing to lose your job because you won't post an allyship statement in your classroom? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to maybe not go to the best colleges or send your kids to the best colleges because you don't want them to be indoctrinated into these critical social theories? So the question is, is what is the trade-off? Are you willing to maybe not have your child play in certain sports on Sundays because you are going to, as, as a father, set an example for your family of, no, we go to church on Sundays. Mm-hmm. So I think the question you're asking is, are we more committed to our comforts? Are we more committed to having a good job or, or having a certain kind of education or are we willing to make some lifestyle sacrifices because we want to instill fidelity and, and have a good example for our children? Yeah, I, that's, I think that's, what part, I th- that, that's part of it. I, I, I look at it, I've been looking at it in every aspect. So, um, you know, moving home from South Africa and working in Zambia and things like that, things like air conditioning. So a lot of my friends post because they hate the heat and I, I absolutely love heat. Um, but they post like I'm going to die because it's 99 degrees. <laughs> and I'm just like, wow, in Zambia, if people have any form of air conditioning, the first thing they say is glory to God. I have air conditioning. I don't know, like if you can't take a hundred degree weather and, and your stand is like, I'm going to die because I have, because it's, it's hot. Like, what do you do if, if you had to like work in a building that didn't have air conditioning because your job now you had to leave your job or you got fired because of like a woke statement or you got thrown into some kind of like, Christian concentration camp. I have no idea. I'm just like, to me, I think the level of complaint is probably because of my own level of complaint that I am like, hmm, maybe, maybe, and maybe it's just for me. Like I am complaining a lot about things that I think are probably discomfort issues, but I wonder how the church is being prepared to withstand the things that are going to soon come at us from the culture and know that our comfort levels are not necessarily going to be taken into consideration at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, it's a fair question for us to be asking right now. I, I think that we get a lot of letters f- that are some version of how do I keep my comforts and still protect my children from the culture or whatever. And I think that you're expressing some skepticism that those two things are going to be able to happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like in order to really disciple our children, we might have to be willing to let go of some things that 
in the past we have seen as comforts, things that we took for granted. And I think Christians in other countries really understand this much better. Um, so you're just kind of asking the question of how soft are we? Yeah. The yeah. stuff of martyrs. Yeah. We are not. And yeah. So I don't know. That reminds me of a meme here. In the show. Oh, Bob's got a meme. meme. When persecution comes, we will remain faithful to gather for worship. Like, like you, you did for COVID-19. Oh, but again, you know, it's yeah. And I, I mean, I'm, this isn't to condemn anyone to put anybody down. I have to speak to myself first. If you know, like maybe next week, by the time we get to the, the show next week, my Amazon prime will be canceled. <laughs> and you know, but I, I think that's real. Like that's a fair, a fair thing. Will you cancel your Amazon prime? I don't have conviction about that. Exactly. This so yeah. this is what I'm saying. Like, at what but point do we get conviction? At what point well, do we do? Like, I think that's a fair and honest question. At what point do we get conviction? Like, at what is like what is serious enough? And I, I don't know that we're wrestling with that as Christians in, in, in our current context. I mean, some people are. Some people maybe. Maybe I'm not looking at it, you know, in a nuanced way enough. But if Amazon were to say tomorrow we're going to cancel everything that's Christian, how many people would actually say, well, no, I'm not going to, you know, keep Amazon Prime? I think the majority of people would keep their Amazon Prime. Yeah. I do. And so at, at that point, is it just an individual heart thing or do we rise up as the, the people of God that we are and say, actually, no, I don't need to participate in your worldly ideology and your yeah. cultural values that continue to hate my people? Yeah. All right. Well, some things to think about. That's good. I All don't right. know. That's where I'm at, y'all. She's definitely had this on her mind. We've had some car conversations to this effect. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. And we will see you next week for a great discussion about freedom with our friend, Dr. Scott Waller, um, and talking about a very famous speech from um, FDR yes. during the Depression that redefined freedom. The so freedom speech. It's for Fourth of July. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to All The Things. Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingsshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.